Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Well, happy Sunday morning, everybody. Hey, yo. It's a little weird. It's a little. <laughs> it's a little, a little weird. I mean, well, it's, weird it's all because good because you forgot about me, and I feel bad. I didn't. I didn't. Honestly, I just miss. I, I I misheard what what we were what you were saying as far as when you were going to be gone. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to be gone for a couple of weeks, so you were going to be gone last week for the holiday, yeah, and then the following week. So I was like, okay, well, let me be prepared to not do the show on my own. Well, what I meant was I'm going to be gone a couple of weeks. Next, when I said this, I was like, next week for Passover, and then in May I'm going to a wedding. <laughs> See, I didn't hear that part. The, I didn't hear the in May I'm going to a wedding part. So. so I have returned, bad. and I walk into the studio, and Rashad's in my chair, and uh, Brittany Davis is in Rashad's chair. And the look on Lynch's face, <laughs> classic. It was like he walked in on me cheating on him. Well, it felt like, a little bit like that, you know? Oh, man, it was it was, it was classic. Like a five-year, rela- six-year relationship here, and I was like, come on, man. Yeah, all of a sudden, like, you trying walk to, in. And trying to sit in this somebody chair. Somebody sitting in my <laughs> chair. Yeah. All right, well, we have Brittany Davis with us for the whole show now because uh, – we're all here together. So, do you want to introduce her? You said oh, you have absolutely. a list of accomplishments. So, so in absolutely. Front of you. Oh, man, she has a whole bunch of accomplishments. And really, we'd be here for the whole uh, first 15 minutes of the show talking about those. But just to name a few, uh, number one, the best accomplishment, friend of mine. That's, you know, mm-hmm. number one. Important. But also, uh, played basketball for uh, University of Minnesota, also played uh, her last two years uh, as an Oregon State Beaver. So, uh, lots of love there. Four time PIL Player of the Year. All-state basketball player, uh, just named last uh, two years ago yeah. to the PIL Hall of Fame Ooh. for basketball. Yeah, not I mean not the Jefferson High School Hall of Fame, which she was absolutely dominant, but <laughs> the PIL Hall of Fame, which has you know greats like man AC Green, Terrell Brandon, you know as far as basketball lore, um, and also her dad. It should be noticed, her dad. She got in the Hall of Fame before her dad. Her dad was actually granted uh, access to the Hall of Fame the following year. Wow. So that's some little, you know, and in a competitive family, that's a lot of bragging rights. But uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine, it's Miss Brittany Davis, man. And so I appreciate you for coming in. Sorry, I got a little weird, you know, just for just for a brief second. But, you know, well, we, hey, we fight. We got a three-person show. It'll Absolutely. be fun. Absolutely. 
thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So we'll get to a lot of NBA stuff and, and Blazers and playoffs on the show. Uh, I want to talk about the Nuggets matchup because we found out that they were playing yesterday. Did you want the Nuggets? Did you want the Spurs? Can the Blazers deal with Nikola Jokic and his dominance so far in the playoffs? That'll be coming up on the show. Talk about some of the Eastern Conference series plus uh, Rockets Warriors starts, I want to say tomorrow too? Maybe Tuesday? I can't remember what day it starts. But is that today? It starts today? Yeah. Okay. Well, we got we got uh, Rockets Warriors we're going to talk about as well and a little bit of NFL draft in the second hour too. You can text us in the Better You Today text line at 55305. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch 27. Rashad's at TaylorMade 503. And Brittany is at Euroball Swag with two G's 20. If you want to find her on Twitter. I want to start though by asking you. So well, I got a couple of questions I'll just begin with. Which was more fun, Minnesota or Oregon State? And why? <laughs> Minnesota. Uh, Oregon State. Um, I'm, not, I'm a city girl. So the small town is, was a little hard adjustment for me. Uh, Minnesota is a lot more to do, um, and we have a great fan base at Oregon State, but Minnesota, like, that's what they do. They are diehard at every sport, whether it's professional or college or anything. Like, the atmosphere is just totally different. Where's and Minnesota located? Where exactly is it? In the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. It's in Minneapolis, yeah. yeah. That's, and so, so we're so, right in the heart of everything. So, yeah, Prince is from uh, – Minnesota, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of purple everywhere, and I <laughs> have it like so. A friend of mine said, "Man, there's a lot of a lot of black folks in Minnesota." Is that true? It's very true, and I was actually surprised. That's incredibly a, surprising. I would have never in a I've million years thought that. A lot. My wife is from there. I'm surprised by that. Wow. Too. <laughs> yeah, it's more diverse than you think. Wow. I mean, that's that's there. You learn something new every day. I had no idea. <laughs> Which was tougher competition, Big Ten or Pac-12, or Pac-10? I would say that's tough. Because I feel like the Pac-12 is a better women's basketball conference than the Big Ten. But that could just be because that's what I followed when I lived here. No, it is. Um, I think when I played, I would have to say Pac-10. I think they had a lot more um, dominant superstars on each team. Um, and But Big Ten is tough, though. And you're playing overseas now, or you? No, you I have? I did. What was, I played for? I'm always curious. What was that like? What is that like? I loved it. I is mean, it like it a was, huge culture shock. It is, and you know, if you can adjust, it's pretty awesome. I mean, there's different countries I've been to that are more Americanized, or you know, you can get around more people speak English. But um, it was fun. I like the culture. I'm a big history person, so I loved all the architecture and the history behind castles and. Uh, and Frank and all that type of stuff. So I was able to travel was, a lot of different places. Was there ever a time you're like, yeah, I'm not going home. I like it here. <laughs> no, I don't want to go back to the States. If I could right now, I would live in Europe. I think it's a lot better. And it's just so much out there, so much culture, so much history that we don't see just, you know, being in the States. Where did you play? Which countries? I played in Germany two years, Slovakia, Sweden, Luxembourg, Puerto Rico, so I played a little bit of everywhere. Because we've heard some horror stories from players who played, like, in Russia, how, like, the coaches are really, really, really not great <laughs> and, and tough on the players. And it's just – it's different because you didn't grow up with coaches like that necessarily here. Did you have any experience like that? Uh, I would say Slovakia was probably my worst experience um, between 
the coaches and the staff and not being able to get paid on time and just kind of rocky situations, making players play off of ACL injuries and a lot of just shady stuff and mafia after our president, like that type of stuff. Oh. So I had to like drop that in there at the end. end, I told my agent, you got to get me out of here. I don't even care about getting paid at this point. I just, this is not a good situation. So that was my last situation and I was pretty done from there. It is true though, or is it true? I would just, I would say I've heard that even though a lot of players who play here don't want to go to Europe because you want to make it in the NBA or the WNBA, the money's actually pretty good for playing international basketball. And if you can find a niche for yourself and find a country that you fit in, you'll have a good career playing basketball, right? Yes, yeah, very true. I mean, I think the problem that people don't want to play overseas is because we have to play year round. You know what I mean? So if people are WNBA, they go straight from WNBA to play overseas just so they can live a certain lifestyle. Here you don't get paid that much. So I would love to have played here and not have to necessarily go overseas. Overseas was great, but, you know, you kind of want to play in front of your family and friends more because they don't always have that money or opportunity to come and see you. So you're pretty much by yourself all the time besides being with other Americans on your team or in the country. You all kind of hang together. So So I know you've been coaching for – shoot for for a while is is that maybe your lane now like maybe just stick to coaching and kind of help out some some younger players yeah so I've been coaching the last like two or three years I uh, a few years ago I coached uh JV2 boys at Lake Ridge so that was a great opportunity and fun you know just to be on the boys side um I've helped with a few AAU programs here and still doing that now um but I'm actually starting to get into just trying to become a trainer and so I don't have to deal with the other aspect of, like, you know, AU and dealing with programs with parents and all the other stuff, the other logistics. So trying to do that and, you know, just trying to train younger people who want to get to the next level. All right. Well, Brittany Davis, thank you for sitting in. We're going to talk a lot of basketball. So any input you want to give in about the NBA and the playoffs and stuff, feel free. We'll, uh, we'll have Brittany in the entire show. Coming up next, I want to start with – Quickly, the end of last night's Nuggets-Spurs game, which was one of the strangest things I've ever seen, especially coupled with Greg Popovich being the head coach of the team that messed it up so bad. It felt really, really strange watching the end of it because even the announcers were confused about the score and the time, and, and it was it was very odd. So we'll talk about that and then preview the series between the Blazers and the Nuggets. This is Sports Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hi, 15 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad and Brittany Davis with you until 11 o'clock. We're going to dive into the NBA here. Feel free to text Better You Today text line 55305. Let's start quickly with the ending of last night's Spurs Nuggets game. Jamal Murray hits this one-footed jump shot to give the Nuggets a four-point lead. And the Spurs do not get the basket on the next possession. And with about 20 seconds to go down four, the Nuggets have the ball. 
LaMarcus Aldridge is uh, at the top of the key guarding Jokic. And Popovich and two or three Spurs assistants are screaming at him to foul, at anybody to foul. Not one Spurs player either A, heard them, or B, listened to them, and C, fouled. Nobody fouled in an obvious foul situation. And then the Nuggets wind up missing the shot, but there was only two seconds left in the shot clock, and they were down four. It was over. The game was over. And DeRozan didn't even try to take a shot. He just let the ball dribble out. I – what? It, it, I don't understand how that could possibly happen in an NBA game, in a playoff game, and in a Popovich coach team. He stopped trying to get them to foul with 15 seconds on the clock. He just walked away like he was pissed off about it. Like, what happened? I, I don't know. It looked like you saw a team that completely – forgot who they were at they the end of the game vacation they like were I, they were done they were done playing i don't know what was said in the last time out before they went back out there but i don't know what coach is going to tell you to be down for with 25 26 seconds left to not foul as soon as we either miss either we make the shot or as soon as we like that's exactly where, you, where you're going to go in that situation like they why wouldn't they do that and it started with yeah it started early like when they were they should have been pressing them up the court or did something just to make sure you can keep time on the court. well that would have been an instant foul they, right? they, they they get the rebound you foul them with 20 seconds no and one fouled like no. you said like, like you keep going like nobody fouled everybody had an opportunity to and everybody well, just patty mills like nope i'm gonna back up on you lamarcus no i'm gonna let you shoot a jumper it's like what are you guys doing that was the weirdest thing too is i think it was um bryn forbes i guess is the the little guard's name on san antonio he was even telling lamarcus to foul and then when they set a pick for him, he ran past whoever had the ball at that time and didn't foul. So I don't, I don't know what happened. I, it was either that loud in there that they heard nothing, or it was one of the most atrocious plays I've ever seen. Yeah, they just like they quit and just gave up on each other and was ready to go fishing, as they say. <laughs> that is, but isn't that? I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what could the game plan have been at that point to tell them, you know what? Don't worry about fouling. Well, we're down four. Let them shoot and open what? I'm like, Well, that's the thing, though, is they they were screaming at them to foul. All three coaches on the sideline, if you watch the replay, are just like hands out. Popovich is like a quarter of the way onto the court. And LaMarcus even like glances at him but doesn't do anything. And that's where it makes me think like he was doing it out of spite, right? Yeah, that's what it seemed like. And I don't know what's going on with their chemistry right now, but – it's not good. Maybe some changes need to be happen. Need to happen next year. Well, I mean, Pop said he's definitely coming back for you know for next year, and I don't want to say the 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 problem is Pop, but let's just be real. This is a much different NBA than it used to be. So these guys don't really do well with a lot of you know criticism you know about their game. And Pop is one of those guys that he's can't he's he's not going to be nice about some of the stuff, whether it's to media, whether it's to his own players. Like, he was on Tim Duncan's head about everything. But Timmy was so, I guess, secure in who he was as a ball player and, and, and a person that that didn't bother him. It didn't bother Tony Parker. I think some of those things might bother some of these young dudes. I think that's why we haven't seen the same Spurs team. Even Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's the first superstar that was like, yeah, you know what, this San Antonio thing doesn't work for me. I don't like being talked to like that. I don't feel – being you know and i think a lot of guys are kind of like that not saying that pop is the problem but that's a situation there like you said somebody somebody that's just spite at that point like i'm i'm purposely not going to foul cuz there's no way that many professional basketball players are in that situation and you don't foul you don't even think to um, immediately in my head yeah. we have to foul the only other thing i could think of is that 
something happened with the clock or because it was so loud in there because the announcers didn't really understand the situation either. Uh, you had Kevin McHale and Brian Anderson were the announcers of the game. And on that possession, McHale doesn't say anything. And Anderson goes, they have a foul to give. Like he didn't understand that that was the time and the, and the place of the game. And then when Murray took the shot that rimmed out, he goes, and Murray with the big three. Oh, and he misses it. And it was like, you're up by four. Why? Are, it's like, that's not the biggest shot in the world. So I, I don't know if something happened where maybe somewhere the score was different than what it actually was or what, because I'm trying to think of a logical explanation for it, because even if there was a disagreement between Popovich and the players, I mean, we heard LaMarcus had some issues a year or two ago that kind of seemed to go away. They had a good off season conversation and he was going to demand a trade and he stayed. I mean, none of the players foul. There's got to be some logical explanation. There has to be. I can't imagine every player on the team just went F you pop. And then just stood there and let the game dribble out. No, they, that, they didn't that, even start off the game playing like it was a game seven either. I don't know. It was weird. Weird no. game. Yeah, their chemistry looked real off from the beginning. And this is probably the poorest Spurs team I've seen, like, defensively for a long time. Because usually they have very good defense. Like, that's their, that's their thing. They're a defensive team. And they can work from there. But this this team looks just out of sync and not good. No, they're not. They're not. I, 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 that's probably the best thing. That they're not. It's not a San Antonio Spurs team. Nope. It's not what we've been used to seeing. That's why the Blazers fans wanted the Spurs. That's why the Blazers fans wanted the Spurs. You know, because you you look at a team to where you match up great with. Outside of Lamarcus Aldridge, I don't think there's a matchup on the floor that you're like, yeah, uh, they definitely win that matchup. But I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say it's pop. Uh, Lamarcus has shown at points, especially if you remember as a Blazer fan, he's shown at points to be. A bit of a diva, you know. So that right there was a was a was a diva move. Like, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna guard the point guard at the top of the at the top of the key. My coach is screaming at me to foul, and I'm just gonna be like, Nah, it's cool. I'm gonna let him shoot. Like, that, I don't know what was what he was going through at that point. We've heard little stories about okay, he and Damian Lillard have talked about it, and Lamarcus may want to finish his career in Portland. I just I don't think he wants to be in San Antonio. I don't think it fits him the way he thought it would have fit him you know you look at Tim Duncan and what he's able to do uh in San Antonio you're not he's not Tim Duncan and I think that things just haven't worked the way that they wanted to and you know and because of it the Nuggets who were just a better team but they they end up coming there and winning that game by four I also feel like LaMarcus Aldridge's game is kind of dying in the current NBA I mean there's not a lot of mid-range jump shooters he doesn't shoot the three that well he doesn't like to play inside that much he's kind of in that no man's land where most NBA coaches are saying we don't want you playing in here. We want right. you either in the paint or shooting threes, not in between. And if I mean, if you want to even extend that, DeMar DeRozan is the same player. He can't shoot the three. He does drive, but he's a big mid-range jump shooter, and it's that's a dying breed in the NBA. That's not something that wins games anymore. Yeah, but you would think in the playoffs is where a, a player like that would shine. You know, in the regular season, you get a chance to get up and down, back and forth, because you're playing against a lot of inferior talent. In playoffs – you know, the the, the court kind of gets smaller because now all of a sudden you're playing a much better, in, in most cases, playing the best team, best eight teams in your conference. So the, the defense is probably better, but things slow down a lot more in the playoffs. And you would think that's where a guy, like you look at what Jokic is able to do, like, man, all that same stuff you're talking about, man, Jokic is still able to be incredibly effective with it and still able to be down low and average 24 points, 25 points and 11 assists. So it can work. 
I think LaMarcus is just at that point to where his game is much different. I think his, I don't want to say. He's older, too. He's older at this point, and it's, he's, he's just much slower. But in the playoffs, I would think this is where he would be able to, to shine. You know, but unfortunately, he's just not the dude that he used to be. He has shined in the playoffs before. Uh, 40, 40 something in two straight games. Yeah, in the Rockets series, they he single handedly willed them to those first two wins. That was 2014. And but he also has had a penchant for having really bad games in the playoffs, too. He just got a text on the Better You Today text line 55305 that said he passed up on an open jump shot with five minutes to go. He looked afraid to shoot it. I mean, we've seen that from LaMarcus as well. He has, he has these moments of fear in big, big situations. So I just don't think he's aggressive. I think he's a very passive player. And especially in the playoffs, this is you have to shine in a different light. Like, you have to be more aggressive. This is win or go home. And he doesn't do that. And he's, he doesn't, he's not consistent enough in the playoffs. You can't be a diva and then don't produce for your team on a consistent basis because you're one of the stars. So he's he's soft to me. Mm, mm, mm. That we have heard soft with Lamarcus quite a bit. That's that's he's that's soft. been a part of his storyline for for yeah. a long time, and it's unfortunate because you know it, it, he's it's that's kind of you know it's a big reason he's not here no more. I've said it time and time again on this on the show. You know when when I met Lamarcus, I was just blown away how soft-spoken and what seemed to be like a lack of confidence off the court for somebody who is one of the best basketball players in the world, his personality does not seem to mirror um, his gameplay. And that's that's something that's always blown me away. I know not everybody has that killer instinct, but it just seems that there's uh, a dearth of confidence with LaMarcus Aldridge um at at times in his career and i think that's what's always kept him from making that next step into a real like all nba style player well to use the blazers as an an example to to prove that point is you've got two players one in damian lillard who is uber confident everywhere he goes and it shows on the court that's obvious but the other is mo harkless who's a guy who oftentimes seems soft-spoken and half the time plays with no energy or no will to want to play and then the other half plays unbelievable like he's energy jumping all over the place you know making huge impact on the game a lot it's something that i think a lot of fans don't really consider when they talk about any athlete really not just basketball players is is their personality matching up with their play on the court and also is there something going on in your personal life that's affecting you and you can't get up for that game or whatever it's something that you don't really think about that much because you're like lamarcus aldridge is a great player he should be a great player all the time yeah but i think i mean personality is one of those things that it's hard to judge you look at Kawhi leonard who has by all accounts zero you know personality you know tim duncan who had almost zero anybody that played, uh, that's the, the weirdest laugh and you know what i'm saying in the world it was creepy you know what I'm saying? it was a really really uh, okay cool but on the court like there's no denying like his talent and he brings it every single night. And, you know, when you got a guy like Kawhi who just leads by example, that's different, you know, because he's going to be the first one. Kawhi's the first one in the weight room, you know, for the most part for uh, for Toronto. So he does things that, you know, make sure they lead by example. I, th- I, th- I don't think LaMarcus ever led by example or really led by his play on the floor. It was just kind of like, man, I want to get mine. And, you know, if we win, awesome. Like Dame strikes me as a dude that no, I forget second round. We need to win. It's like, all we. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all we. Lamarcus was very much like no, I need to do more of this for me. So do you think Lamarcus? Um, do you think he's ever wanted it? Because he just seems like he's good at just being in the background until it's convenient for him to 
want that power. Like when Damien was here or when Brandon Roy was here, like it's always an issue then. But you seem to just not be consistent and you don't have that dog that fighting you to want to really lead a team and win. There was a point to where it, we, we he looked like he wanted it. I was going to say, there, like there, there was were a, point. a couple of times where you saw it, and then it would fade yeah. quickly. But there was a stretch to where I think we regarded LaMarcus as the best power forward in the league. And, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, they would debate it, but it still come back to, yeah, but Blake couldn't shoot. Up until recently, he couldn't shoot like LaMarcus could or right. anything like So it was definitely – he was definitely that guy. And then – I, it, I, I I shudder to say, but I think I think Popovich might have killed his confidence a little bit. I mean, honestly, I think he he got there, and we see a much if you can uh, imagine it wasn't a like much a coaching more, style that matched his personality. I, I think you're looking at a much if you can imagine a much more timid Lamarcus Aldridge, a uh, 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 much more I, like I didn't so, think it was I mean, a good move to go there from the start. I've I thought it was thought a great move. Chill. I thought it was a great move. You can, here's the chance you're going to play with the coach that coached up the greatest power forward of all time. Now you get to go with probably a better skill set, you know what I'm saying, than Tim Duncan had at that point offensively and be able to go in there and do that. It's like, and for you to but just. Then you got to fill those big shoes. Well, he and, and his skill set matches the gameplay that Popovich likes to do. Popovich doesn't like to be a three-point shooting team. He, he likes to hit those mid-range shots and, and uh, shots from in, in the paint and, that's LaMarcus's game, all that mid-range jumpers. And and it just seemed like a perfect fit. I think the timing was just a bit off. You had a guy in Kawhi that was ready to move on, and you had a, a guy in Tim Duncan who's a legend that's ready to retire, and Ginobili and, Tony and you know, Tony Parker's traded. leaving. Yeah, it's just all of a sudden it was like he was he he went there and everything was gone. That whole mm-hmm. foundation that I think he was thinking he was going to go and build on eroded away. I saw this on Twitter, and I thought it was a good reminder because it's easy to forget when you're watching the series, the Spurs were a seven seed. Yeah. And they looked like a seven seed in that game. Yeah, and that, that's easy to forget because of the Spurs and it's Popovich, but they were the seven, the Nuggets were the two, and that game is, it showed you why they were a seven seed at this point in the season. All right. Coming up next, let's preview Nuggets Blazers. Game one is tomorrow. Not the matchup most Blazer fans wanted, but... The Blazers still have a chance to win this series, but it all is going to rely, in my opinion, on Ennis Cantor's health. We'll start there next, but first, Jesse Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine thirty-five here on your Sunday morning, Mike and Rashad with you till eleven o'clock. Joined by Brittany Davis in studio for the entirety of the show. Let's dive in to Nuggets Blazers round two. Game one is tomorrow in Denver. The matchup most Blazer fans probably didn't want, based on Denver being the two seed and how well they played this year, and based on Nikola Jokic being how good or as good as he is, but. I think there's a couple of positives that you can take or look at going into the series to give the, the Blazers a chance to win the series. Number one is you likely have the best player in the, in, in the series in Damian Lillard. I think Jokic could play better than Lillard, but with how he played in the first round, I don't think there's anybody in the playoffs outside of maybe Kevin Durant right now, who we'll talk about later, by the way, uh, who is having a better playoff. So you've got the best player in the series. You have more experience in the playoffs in this Nuggets team. So that's two. And three, 
the Nuggets didn't look great against the seven seeded Spurs. Now we we talk about the Spurs as if they're better than the seven seed, but they were the two seed. They were supposed to beat them handily, and they did not. It took Game Seven, and it took a weird performance from San Antonio to even give them that win. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this kind of a series. I I I mean, yeah. I I'm gonna say make a bold statement. Okay. I think the Blazers are going to the Western Conference Finals. Um, it's not that bad. And depending on who they play in the finals, depending you be on like Charles Barkley, hold on, NBA, me, NBA let, let, Finals. You, you let me finish. Depending on who they play in the Western Conference Finals, depending on if the Rockets can get it done in the in the second in the second round, man, I think the Blazers can go to the finals. I think I think the Blazers are at this point number one of all the teams that are that are playing right now outside of the Warriors. Man, they probably have the most. Uh, the most chemistry that's working for them right now. Their chemistry is is awesome. Everybody has come to play at least for a couple of games of of the series. The first round, you saw a great game from Aminu, uh, Will Bar- Wilkes, Will Barton, excuse me. Um, I'm <laughs> He's looking, on the Nuggets. I'm looking at his name. I'm looking at his name right now. But um, uh, Harkless, Mo Harkless, uh, really nobody talks about this, man. But his two free throws down the stretch uh, during that game were huge because he doesn't make those. The Blazers are down two. Um, He's as, been, he was as, huge all series. So really. usually his his defense on on Paul George. Now it's hard to say because Paul George averaged like twenty eight, you know, thirty points. But his defense on Paul George was awesome. He had a couple key steals, a couple key blocks where uh, kind of took PG out of his game a little bit. Man, I think this team is is a solid roster. And I look at the roster from from the Nuggets, and it's not a bad team. But if you start looking at matchups. The Blazers win most of those matchups. Jokic, okay, you, there's nothing you can do. Cantor, especially now that his shoulder isn't right. Cantor yeah, might not even play. Cantor, there's a good chance he's not going to play. So the the it goes on Zach Collins, you know, right there. But or Myers. But if Cantor can go, put the hammer on him. But um, <laughs> six fouls, let's go. I, I say, why not make it make him <laughs> uncomfortable a little bit? But if you're Cantor and you are able to go, then I mean, if you if he's able to go, then I'm expecting 10, 12 points. From him, nothing more than that, you know, just because his shoulder is kind of gimpy. But I saw a guy on a, a kind of gimpy. He well, separated his shoulder. <laughs> well, you, but you, but you saw him still make again. Cantor down the stretch of of game uh, game six, uh, or excuse me, game five was able to come up with a big layup. To if he doesn't make that at that point, man, the Blazers are down four. And like, there's a lot of things that happened at the end of that game to put them in position to make Dame uh, the hero at the end of it. But I think the Blazers have a better team than the Nuggets. The one thing the Nuggets do really well is they move. They move the ball incredibly well. They move on defense really, really well. So I think if you're looking at anything that could be a problem for the Blazers, I think it would be that. Played them four times this year, went one and three against the Nuggets. The one win was against the Nuggets B team. If you remember that game, it was that back-to-back at the end of the year. Anthony Simons. But uh, was that that? I don't think it was was that 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 game. game? No, I don't think it was that game. But uh, the Nuggets were winning fairly handily, and then the Blazers came back at the end to win that game. But um, So that was... That was the season series, but every single game was close, similar to the Thunder in the regular season. Blazers won 0-4 against the Thunder, but every game was close. And I think you're right. I mean, looking at the players the Nuggets are putting out there on a nightly basis, outside of Jokic, I think the Blazers are better at probably every position but power forward for Will, for Mal, Mil- Millsap. Mal, Millsap. Yeah, Millsap is, is, is great, and that could be a big problem for Harkless because Harkless is frail, you know, and inside he can get beat up like that. But the one thing we know is Harkless has a lot of energy, and that could be – uh, a bad thing for well the, the the nice thing right now about the nuggets is um uh, they've been worried about their guard play going into the playoffs and in round one their guard play was kind of erratic they were having a hard time um figuring out who that starting guard was going to be 
Um, it was uh, Will Barton was having a a rough time. Couldn't couldn't be the guy that they wanted him to be and be a scorer. So they, they've been having a hard time with that position, which I think is obviously um, a, a good opportunity for Portland where that's where um, our number one advantage is, is in the guard play. So I, I think we have a little bit of a heads up in that in that respect. I, I have read that Gary Harris is an elite perimeter defender, uh, which means you'll likely see him on Danny Lillard, Lillard in this series. It might not matter if Lillard keeps playing the way he has, but – You've seen previously through Holiday, prime example, elite defenders have given di- give Damian Lillard's fits. Oh my God, I can't speak. Have given Damian Lillard fits uh, in the playoffs in the past. So I'm I'm very curious to see what they do with that. But because again, against the the Thunder, you had Westbrook on Lillard the first couple of games, and Westbrook's not the best defender, so that didn't really play much of an impact. Then they started putting Paul George on him. A little bit, but not a lot, because you didn't want Paul George in foul trouble. I didn't really feel like the Thunder had a plan, and I'm curious to see if the Nuggets actually have a plan to, to defend him. I don't think anybody has a plan against Damian Lillard. Like, when you can shoot that way, there's what do, you, what do you do? Stop him. Like, you can't throw doubles at him because, see, that would leave somebody wide open. You're going to leave CJ open, who's almost equally as deadly, you know, from there, and CJ's mid-range is, is awesome. So you're going to leave somebody open from there, but I don't – I don't, know, I don't know if there's anything you can do with them. Like, Westbrook is an all-league defender. Like, Westbrook, the defense has always been one of the things he's he didn't been able to hang inside. He didn't though. show it in the series, but he just showed that, man, he, Damian Lillard is a, is a superior basketball player than him. Now, Westbrook is incredibly – we got to – let's take time to really respect what Westbrook has been able to do. All right? I'm 35 years old, bro. Why? In my entire <laughs> life, in my entire life, I've never seen a dude – Average a triple double. I'm not gonna fault anybody for, for 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 playing hard. You know whether he's you know doing extra to get an extra assist or doing extra to get a rebound. That's what you tell. That's what every coach tells their kid is to go out there and do the extra and play hard and get every rebound and make the assist. And Westbrook does that every single night and average a triple double three straight years. I went from seeing we went from seeing nobody do it ever. Ever and and a lot of our lifetimes, you know, and everybody here in the in the studio right now is young enough to where we had never seen anybody average a triple double to somebody average it three straight years. Like, yeah, I get it. You know, he can't shoot. Oh, oh no. You know, that'll Only get recently better. Recently, he hasn't been able to shoot, which is very weird. He's like lost it because he used to be a pretty decent shooter. He was never been great. His shot has always been flat. Especially those free throws. I mean, now it seems like he has a little hitch in it. So yeah, it's harder yeah. for him to even you know like make free throws consistently. Uh, let's break. Coming up next, one thought that I had going into the series that maybe you'll see Terry Stotts utilize at some point, and uh, that is who should be guarding Jokic in the series. Let's just say Ennis Cantor plays, right? Let's say he's able to fight through his shoulder injury, gets a shot in there to make it numb, and there's no pain. Who should be guarding Nikola Jokic, the really the only great player on the Nuggets? That's next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Who should guard Nikola Jokic in this series? I'm assuming you're going to see kind of a committee guarding him, but I had a thought on the way in today, and I, and I want to see what you guys think about it. And feel free to text the Better Eat Today text line to 55305. 
why not put your best defender on Jokic? And as Cantor's hurt and is not a good defender anyway, Zach Collins is a great defender, but gives you nothing offensively. Myers Leonard is Myers. I mean, he's had he's had flashes so far this season. Hell, even against the Thunder, he had a really good game, actually. But why not put Al Farouk Aminu on Nikola Jokic? He plays outside the three-point line. You don't want to drink, or bring your big all the way out there and, and vacate the middle. You got a guy who has long arms. He's quick on defense. He bodies up. He doesn't foul that frequently. I mean, is that... Is that that dumb of a of an idea to put Aminu on Jokic? Well, I wouldn't call it a dumb idea, but I just, I just when you when but, you're talking about Jokic, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody that you're that that the Blazers have that you can put on him that's going to even try to slow him down. Like he's he's that gifted down low, but he can also step out and shoot. Like Jokic is is one of those guys. He's He's a he's a tough guard, and but he plays mostly outside the three point line, yes. and then will go in if he needs to. Yes, so I mean, passer. so I think with Collins there, you know, for his quick feet, I think that would be a great idea. But once he decides to go down the block, man, Collins is eggs and bacon down there. But if you put put Myers on him, Myers isn't quick enough laterally to where you know he can guard him on the on the perimeter. There's really nothing. Put Anthony Simons on him because either way, he's gonna go for fifty. Like I and I think really honestly, I say you give him the the. Uh, the the Steve Nash treatment, you know, the one thing that they used to do with Steve Nash to really, or at least Popovich, man, we're going to give Nash 50, or we're going to give Amari Stoudemire 50 points. You know, there's nothing that we're going to be able to do with Amari, but we're going to make him beat us. And everybody else, we're just going to shut that party down. I think that's the thing you have to do with Denver. You have to make sure that everybody, because there's nothing, there's no one that the Blazers have, especially with Cantor's, uh, Cantor's, when he was healthy, couldn't guard him. Now that his arm is all gimpy, there's nothing he's going to be able to do Zach Collins is going to put up a good fight, but then you run the risk of putting him in foul trouble, and that gives you... You run the risk of playing him on offense. There you go. Either way, it's <laughs> a risk. can't make a layup. Either, right either way, it's a risk. So I say, man, you give Jokic the opportunity to, to go crazy, and you let Jamal Murray be the one to, to prove it to you and beat you, and you let all those other guys, the Will Bartons of the of the Nuggets, be the ones to step up and, and do something. I say there's nothing, there's nothing you can do about Jokic. I think he's that unstoppable. I think it just has to be a group effort at this point and how to slow him down just a little bit to take everybody else out of rhythm because somebody else has to step up for Nuggets if they are going to, to me, have an opportunity because I think Blazers are are good at every position. But I think we need to step up defensively. The, the reason I ask this is, sure, you can say give Jokic 50, but it's not like he dominated the Spurs series. He had one incredible game where he scored 43 points in game six. They did lose that game, though. So to your point, maybe you just give him his points. But, I mean, he scored 10, 21, 22, 29, 16, 43, and then 21 in his triple-double game. He's not infallible. He's the best player on their team, but you can still guard him. And that's why I'm saying I don't want the Blazers just to say, put their hands up, he's going to score on us, what are we going to do? I mean, I, I feel like you can actually defend him and get in his head and annoy him where he misses some of those hook shots and he's missing some threes. And, I mean, imagine the the advantage you'll have if Jokic only scores 18 in a game, Well, right? Then then it feels like a certain win unless Jamal Murray went off for 40. Well, there were times in this OKC series to where Steven Adams looked like an all-star. Steven Adams looked like he could make – he couldn't miss a shot. Everything he put up was going in over the Blazer defenders. And so – Jokic is a much better offensive talent than Steven Adams. And so that's why 
I'm looking at that. Steven Adams was able to just, man, back down, turn around, jump shots, no problem all day over whatever defender but he, he wanted really to. he didn't really have that much of an impact in the series. No, either. he didn't. But, like, there were long stretches where Steven Adams was coming out with 12 points to start the game. You know, now, mind you, he didn't end the game and then he with would score 30. You know, points. yeah, <laughs> he didn't end the game with 30, but it's just the, the ability that he had to score so easily and effortlessly on so many, like, uncontested shots because the defense just wasn't there. So now I'm thinking about a guy like Jokic, who offensively is superior to Steven Adams. Man, what's he going to be able to do, you know, with, with that type of lacks defense and then when when Myers comes in the game and you know those quick six fouls you're putting them on the line for you know a p- potentially you know an, another 15 points or something and he is like a very that. good free throw he's shooter. a very good free throw shooter so I mean as a big man there there's the reason that he's regarded as arguably the best outside of Joel Embiid who just was terrible yesterday but I don't, I don't know I think you just you there's nothing you can do about him and so my game plan would be Let's shut everybody else down. There's, that, there's honestly, that's where you, that's where you don't match up. Is that one matchup, and you let everybody else beat you? Or we attack him on the offensive end to get him in foul trouble, where he has to, he's out of rhythm the whole game. That, that, that's kind of another thing I was thinking. That's a great point because with how effective Lillard's been at driving this year, he's really, really improved his finishing around the rim. CJ can get inside. Although we were talking about it in the break, Al Farouk Aminu can get inside while dribbling, even if you hate it. Um, Mo Harkless cuts inside all the time. You got guys who can get inside and try to get him into foul trouble. So sure, you might get blocked a bunch in the beginning, but imagine getting him into three fouls in the early in the second quarter, right? Imagine the kind of impact that's going to have on the game. I think you're going to see something because one thing we didn't expect about the Thunder series, which was a brilliant strategic move by Terry Stotts, was he told the Blazers basically flop. Take every charge you possibly can because they watched the film and the Thunder were super aggressive driving the lane and throwing elbows around. And, I mean, 80% of the time, the refs called it a charge in that series. That was huge for the Blazers. So I'm assuming you're going to see something in the realm of a a decision like that where you had no idea that was even on the board and the Blazers are going to use it to their advantage. I don't know what that is. I, uh, to be fair, I haven't watched a ton of Nuggets basketball outside of when they played the Blazers this year and a couple other games. But um, I know they have a good three-point defense. I know they like to shoot the three a lot. And I know Jokic is really good. <laughs> well, the one thing we always, you know, the one part of coaching we talk about with Stotts all the time is his rotations. Um, I don't know if we necessarily – I think that's because it's hard to nitpick anything else he really does as far as drawing up X's and O's. I think the game plan going into OKC was great. You know, make sure you play great team defense. Make sure you play hard defense. Again, step up and make sure you take those charges and try to play a little bit tougher. Like, that was a great game plan. Like, OKC is very erratic. They get on breaks, and it's hard for them. They're like the guy on the Mighty Ducks who can't stop. You know, the the, 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 the skater that yeah, they got on yeah. the team, the USA team, He just he, he goes so fast that he just doesn't know how to stop himself. And I think a lot of that is OKC and everybody that plays in their team. So... It worked in the in the Blazers' favor. Uh, I think this time you just have to figure out what's going to work best for you. Again, all the games they played against Utah have been really close. Like they've all come down to you mean the, Denver. To Denver, excuse me, forgive me. All the games they played against Denver have been incredibly close. They've come down to the last the last minute, you know, and that's where the Blazers kind of end up falling apart. If they can keep it together, the one of the thing about the Blazers, they fall apart in the fourth quarter. At least historically, they've gotten to the fourth and then they've just crumbled. We haven't if really they can seen keep that it, this year. We haven't seen that this year. Yeah. But if they can come in, in a half-court set and not crumble, like that game, the end of game five was beautiful basketball. Outside of – if Dame had missed that shot, still yet and still, 
that still would have been a great way to go into the overtime. You know, you you get a big layup all of a sudden. Somebody makes two quick free throw, uh, two uh, quick free throws with time expiring. Uh, CJ gets a, a a big bucket to tie the game up. If that's how that went in the overtime, everybody would have been super pumped. And I think the Blazers still had a great shot, a great chance to win that. And that's R- before Russell the big Westbrook's shot. ego makes him take the last shot for the Thunder instead of passing it to Paul George. But, I mean, <laughs> and, and so listen, we can't be mad. This is why Kevin Durant left. That's why KD was like, yeah, I got to get out of here. Now, mind you, we can be mad at him for going to the Warriors, yes, but that's why he shook. A couple of texts slash tweets on this. Uh, Jokic is at his best when you have to double him in the post. Great passer. Zach is the ba- best matchup for us. He's the best combination perimeter and paint defender on the roster. It's his biggest NBA asset as of now. That is his best asset as of now. He is a great defender as long as he stays out of foul trouble. He's really good at staying straight up. He uh, really affects shots outside of the uh, in the perimeter too he's just he's a solid defender he is i like using collins on him i just don't know if you want to start collins no because I, you're you're losing so much on the offensive side uh, defensively he's your best he's your best bet and offensively i don't I, i'm not gonna say i don't know if you really need that from from this team i mean there is no the one thing this team doesn't have denver is there is no paul george on the other side there is nobody that's going to light the blazers up for 38 now jamal murray could i i, I assume he's going to have at least one game to where he does something dope where he has 30 points or something like that. He's going to have one of those games at some point during the series. But for the most part, they don't have anybody that's consistently going to be a, a problem like that on the perimeter like Paul George was. I feel like if you can beat two of the top 10 players in the league in Russell Westbrook and, P, and PG, then I'd like your chances against anybody. This text says, I like the idea of trying a medium on Jokic at least at times to pester him with quick hands. Yeah, I think you're going to see some switching too. Stotts love to switch on defense, so we'll see that. And then I got this on Twitter. Uh, look who guarded Jokic yesterday. Uh, Jacob Pirtle, the rookie. Joker, or Jokic didn't kill him offensively. Yeah, he had the triple-double, but points-wise, he didn't destroy him. So uh, maybe maybe you can get by with using Collins and Myers and, and injured Ennis Cantor if he's playing. It's maybe, possible. Maybe it'll be enough. What about Evan Turner? He can stay on the bench. He's so small. <laughs> he can stay on the bench for the rest of the series. Like, Evan Turner, like, my okay. Like you don't want to get Rashad started. On no, because he he's somebody and Jesse will tell you he's somebody that I've actually tried to really believe in. And I, when Evan Turner first came here, really? I was one of the people that was like, you know what? This could work. I remember a guy in Philadelphia who was OK. I remember a guy in Indiana who played really, really well. That was the basketball player I thought that the Blazers were getting. And so far, he hasn't been that dude like at all. He had one good game where he had like a triple double. That was sometime. Earlier yeah, two this triple year, doubles, didn't he? two triple doubles. Were they back to were they, yeah, were they, they back, were back to back? back? Yeah. So he had those two games, and then that was it. The other eighty were terrible. The they I weren't a, terrible, but I, they I, weren't good. I have a friend from college who's a Celtics fan, and he was so pumped for me. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna love Evan Turner, but you're gonna hate Evan Turner, but you're gonna love Evan Turner." I've never loved Evan Turner. <laughs> no, waiting for he, is, he has not fit into this Blazers team. He, he, he has, and the, and the thing that sucks is you can tell that there's there's something there. You can tell you can play, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't. It doesn't come all doesn't all come together, and for for that reason, it's just like like I'll, I'll put the, he, Aminu can be incredibly frustrating to a lot of Blazer fans. Uh, I yeah. am one of them. I'm kind of at the front of that line uh, when it comes to to Al Farouk Aminu. I think he has a lot of skill, but for whatever reason, he certain nights he just can't put it together. You know who he reminds me of? <laughs> Blazer fans remember Travis Outlaw. Oh. oh my gosh, Travis Outlaw was all the physical ability in the world, but he just he I just made me nervous. Him. He makes me nervous. When he has the ball, I know something probably bad 
is going to happen. Now, Farouk uh, Aminu surprised us all in game three, was it? Game three when he when he had the great game, game two. I can't two. remember which game I can't was, remember, yeah. but he had a really, really good game. But outside of that, like, he, he, he makes me super, super nervous. That said, I still think he's better than his matchup on uh, the Nuggets. Coming up next hour, we're going to talk a little NFL draft. We also have Hate It or Love It at 1030. But we have to start with Kevin Durant and the performance that he put on yesterday. And Rashad has himself a hot take. It's not really that hot, but <laughs> it's a hot take. Kind of uh, hot. That uh, we'll get to next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 